Good evening, everyone, or good morning, or good afternoon, wherever you happen to be in the world today. This is Wow, What a Show, and I am your host, Phyllis. I welcome you in the mighty name of Jesus. It's a precious name. It's a wonderful name. It is a name by which we all have our being, we have our salvation, we have hope for eternal life. We are indeed those who have been introduced and come to know a Savior whose name is Jesus the Christ. And if you have not had that experience, then we are so uh, welcoming you to join us in a journey through one of the Gospels, the book of John, the Gospel of John, and uh, here we are going to establish some really, well, we already have in chapter one. Remember, this is why what a show and we stand on this word. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night shows knowledge. There is no place where the speech is not heard. And you know, I can get really um, caught up in that and go on and on and on about those verses in that psalm. Just like we have encountered the first chapter of the Gospel of John, and we get caught up in, the, in, in John establishing Jesus Christ as the prophetic coming of a Messiah. He is the living God, and he takes us back to the beginning to let us know, understand that Jesus Christ is the word and that that word was with God and that the word was indeed God. And so we went back and we read from the first book uh, of the Bible, Genesis, and you hear in the beginning, right? The world was out form and void and God spoke. And the spoken word is the word here. That this also is Jesus, who is the light of the whole world, whose fullness we have received. Just a little recap. If you haven't read the first chapter of the book of John, really and truly, go back, right, and really meditate on it uh, when you have time and when you really can concentrate and just 
let the Lord speak to you through and by his spirit to understand and to come to know Jesus Christ. So we went through that whole first, what, 19 or so uh, verses of 1 John. And remember that the quest here for me is to discover Christ again through faith and fellowship. And we get that as we go with John, the beloved disciple, through this gospel. Now, the forerunner of Christ, the one who established the fulfillment of the prophecy, is John the Baptist, we call him. He was the cousin of Christ, and he came before him. He didn't know him because they didn't live in the same place. I don't guess they didn't grow up together. But John goes out before Jesus Christ's ministry, and he cries to the people that uh, they should repent because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is at hand. And so he introduces who Jesus Christ is. It's a beautiful rendering. I'm telling you, all of the gospels are wonderful, but these first chapters of the book of John, the gospel of John, just really kind of wow me every time that I have been privileged to read it. And again, uh, good evening, good evening, fresh in spaces and light touch. God bless you. So glad you're here. And please just join right in because as you recall, I've said before that I'm really wanting to discover church in the re reading of the Bible this time. And that I believe the Lord told me to read through the Gospel of John to sort of get that, that um, the the form of it and the purpose of it and the uh, function of it and the way that we should interact with one another. And uh, we didn't finish chapter one in the reread. You know, I read the whole the whole chapter the first time, but there's another point that I'd like to uh, bring out just before we go into chapter two. And that begins in, uh, let's see, you know, the, the, these guys, the Pharisees came out and they were kind of grilling him. Why Why are you baptizing? And who are you? You know, <laughs> and uh, John the Baptist tells them that he is not the, the Messiah. He's the one who has come before. Uh, in verse 1920, uh, he says, and this is the record of John, when the Jews uh, sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to act, ask him who are you and he confessed and denied not that but he confessed i am not the christ and they said well what then are you are you elijah and he says i am not and they said well are you are you that prophet and he said no he said then um uh who are you they asked him that we may give an answer to them who have sent us. And we got to go back and tell these people who sent us, whoever they were. And he says, um, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. That is the prophetic statement made in Isaiah chapter 40, verse uh, 17. Or is it that I can't see so good sometimes. Uh, let's see, it's, it's Isaiah chapter 40, a verse, I think that says 30, 30, 31. But anyway, it never hurts to read a, a whole 
a chapter, right? So it's Isaiah 40. By all means, do uh, uh, check it out, right? And so they asked him and, and said, well, why are you baptizing if you are not that Christ, um, nor, nor Elijah, nor that prophet? Or John answered and said, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you who you do not know. He, he who is coming after me is preferred before me. Whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. Those things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day then John saw Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I speak. Uh, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, or he was before me. And it goes on. Right. And then but we start in uh, chapter 30, I mean, verse 35. I'm really all uh, discombobulated this evening with words. That's amazing. We find that Jesus Christ called his disciples. He called them. So the next day, according to the Bible here, John stood and two of his disciples. Um, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Now, John was standing with two of his disciples, but John then acknowledged that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, and his dis two disciples heard it, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? That They said, Rabbi, which is, of course, being interpreted master, where do you live? And he said to come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said unto him, We have found the master, which is being interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be a stone. You shall be called Cephas, a stone. And the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and find Philip. And he said, follow me. Now, Philip was uh, from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, uh, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming uh, to him and said, an Israelite indeed in whom there is trial. And um, so, uh, okay, Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? 
And Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said that I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? You shall see greater things than these. And he said unto him, Truly I say unto you, here, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now I, I read that before I go into chapter 2, because in chapter 2, we're going to see that he performed a miracle, and we're going to read it, right? But I want you to see right now that a miracle has already happened. Jesus Christ has gone out, and uh, John gives, he says, on the first, uh, the day after, the third day. It's almost as if this is happening in succession, uh, you know, um, chronologically from the time that John is uh, announcing him, right? They, and the uh, Pharisees uh, have sent these people out to find out who he is. We see him right away calling forth his disciples. And those disciples, um, those disciples then are walking with him. And you, they're kind of from the same environs. They kind of, some of them know each other. So that kind of speaks to me that they will have been talking about this, you know, in their lifetime, they are anticipating, just like we are anticipating the coming of Jesus Christ again. But we know he's going to come differently this time. He's coming to lift us out of and purify the world and create the eternal kingdom. Well, it's already created. He's going to place us in it. We're going to actual experience it. So in our days, you know, we we talk about it. When my friends and I get together, um, we, that's what we talk about. Or, or when we're in prayer, we pray about it. And that is what this speaks to my heart, that these guys already anticipated and they are really surprised and they're really overjoyed. They are really in awe that this Jesus Christ has appeared and they are privy to it. So let's move on now to, excuse me, chapter two of, of um, the Gospel of John. And I want to read it from the Jewish, the Hebrew uh, translation of the Bible, complete Jewish Bible. It's from the complete Jewish Bible. Uh, and now, it's going to sound a little funny because they don't call Jesus, Jesus. They say Yeshua. And they don't call the disciples, uh, the disciples, they call them Talmidim. And uh, so a few little words are changed. But if you, you know, you we, we'll, we'll figure all that out as we read it. The reason I want to read it there is because it is a, a uh, it's an English, you know, not old English, but it's, it's modern English. However, the um, translation is a little more complete. So here we go. Chapter two of the Gospel of John. Remember, we are, we are looking at Jesus Christ through faith and fellowship. And already in chapter one, in the, uh, in the outline for this curriculum I am, am wanting to write, 
Jesus Christ is established as God. He's introduced as Almighty God from the beginning. The Word, the living Word, being made flesh to come into the world to redeem men out of it, being the light of the world in the darkness of the world and the darkness not being able to understand or comprehend who he is, right? Even though everything points to the prophecy that the Jewish people knew. He is God and he has come to do what he said he would do from the beginning and that is bear the sins of the whole world. And remember John 3.16, everybody knows that I'm sure those who go to church and those who don't, because it has been repeated over and over again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so that has been laid out um, for us in, in this first chapter. We come to the second chapter and it reads, on the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, but the Jewish Bible says on Tuesday, there was a wedding at Cana in the Galil. Now, the third day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, the Jewish Bible on Tuesday. So on the third day, right, um, that was a marriage. Yeshua's uh, mother was there and Yeshua was invited to the wedding along with his Talmidim, that's the disciples. The wine ran out and Yeshua's mother said to him, they have no more wine. But Yeshua, Jesus replied, mother, why should that concern me or you? My time hasn't come yet. But his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Isn't that just like a mother? I mean, I can just see this. Jesus Christ had already been recognized as the Messiah. Because when the when the whole matter was announced to Mary, the angels told her. So she has probably witnessed his uniqueness. She knows that he has supernatural power to do beyond what the normal person can do. She has raised this man, right? This from, from baby, from baby to now, she has known him. And so she to, comes to him. It's a wedding. And if you know certain uh, cultures, like I know certain cultures, celebrations are very important. And how a celebration goes over is very important. My son does um, bartending for uh, Jewish celebrations and they're they're laid out very well by mitzvahs, right? These things are important. So I understand why she says they have no more wine. And he says, my time hasn't come yet. But she just over, you know, she steps right past that like I would with my own if I could depend on them to obey. And she says, whatever he says to do, you do it. So what does he say? He says, 
there were six stones. Now there were six stones, stone or water jars standing there for the Jewish ceremonial washings, each with a capacity of 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus told them, or Yeshua told them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. Then he said, now draw some out and take it to the man in charge of the banquet. And they took it. The man in charge tasted the water. I suppose that man in charge uh, was either the wedding planner or the father or whoever it was that put the whole matter together. And um, he says, take it to him. And the man did. They, they, they took it to him and he tasted the water. It had now turned into wine. He did not know where it had come from, but the servants had drawn the water and they knew. So he called the bridegroom and said to to him, everyone else serves the good wine first and the poor wine after people have drunk freely, but you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of Jesus's miraculous signs. He did at Cana in Galil. He manifested his glory and his disciples came to trust him. They already believed we found the Messiah. They go and pull out their brothers and their you know, cousins and their friends, whoever those disciples were made, however they were related there. But now the glory of God is manifested in something he does this miraculous thing, and his disciples came to trust him. Verse 12 says, Afterwards, he, his mother and brothers, and his Talmudim went down to Kfar Nachum and stayed there a few days. And I think that's Capernaum. If you look in the King James Version at uh, verse 12, you will see that um, after this, he went to Caper Capernaum, he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continued there not many days, but of course that not many days means a few days. Verse 13, it was almost time for the festival of Pesach, and that is uh, Passover in Yehuda, And the uh, Jewish word, of course, there is, uh, Let's see, I'm sorry, Jerusalem, the Jerusalem, I think is, uh, no, Pesach, the verse 13 says, and the Jews' Passover was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Okay, and so uh, he went up to Jerusalem is what the Jewish Bible says. So Pesach in, in, in Judah, perhaps, right? And in the temple grounds, he found those who were selling cattle, sheep and pigeons, and others who were sitting at tables exchanging money. He made a whip from cords and drove them all out of the temple grounds, the sheep and the cattle as well. He knocked over the money changers' tables, scattering their coins. And to the pigeon sellers, he said, get these things out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples later recalled that the Tanakh says, for the zeal for your house will devour you. And in the King James Version, verse 17, and his disciples remembered that it was written, 
the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And verse 18, so the Judeans, so the Judeans confronted him by asking, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove you have the right to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. The Judeans said, it took 40 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. Therefore, when he was raised from the dead, the disciples remembered that he had said this and they trusted in the scriptures and in what Yeshua had said. Um, and I want to just make sure that that Tanakh is uh, in, in the King James Version. Uh, it is delivered the scriptures, as I, as I said. Now, verse 23. Now, while Yeshua was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, there were many people who believed in his name when they saw the miracles he performed. But he did not commit himself to them, for he knew what people are like. That is, he didn't need anyone to inform him about a person because, because he knew what was in the, when a person's heart. Now, this is Jesus Christ at the beginning. Remember in the, uh, in the beginning, and Jesus tells his mother, why are you concerned with that? My hour has not come, right? This is not my hour. And I just wonder if you tell me what you think, if his hour was the hour when he went into the temple and began to cleanse it because there the, 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 the disciples recall that the scripture says the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. And he says, you will not make my father's house a marketplace, a den of thieves. I think it's in the King James Version. So is this his hour? I believe that it is. If you have any thoughts on that, by all means, share. But I believe that hour that Jesus Christ is going to begin his ministry, the moment in time. You know, God is real accurate with time. That's the one thing I noticed when I first read the Bible from cover to cover. I started in Genesis and I made my way all the way to Revelation, right? And I was astounded with the timetable. Like 400 years your seed will be in bondage, as he told Abraham after he told him he was going to have the, you know, uh, seed. His seed would be as the uh, stars of the sky and the sands on the shore. And 400 years after they were taken, I mean, uh, after after Joseph was taken into um, Egypt and then his seed came in, remember his brothers came in and they lived there and they um, uh, multiplied and became home for them. It was a 400 year stay. <laughs> and after those 400 years, Jesus delivered them, right? God delivered them, I should say. God delivered them from the, the captivity of the Egyptians who actually turned against them after Joseph was died and after the um, Pharaoh under whom Joseph served was gone. The, the people were so um, strong and, you know, multiplying. And the new Pharaoh says they're going to be more than us. So we need to stop this, you know, and they put them in 
bondage and made them work, work, work. Yes. Uh, so I say, I wonder, Freshen writes, I wonder if the miracle is an illustration of his expression of care for us in our walks of life. You know, though his time was at was not yet, uh, it was at the temple, like you said. You know, Anna, this is good because I'm looking at the faith and the fellowship, the faith that the people have in him and his fellowship with them or their fellowship. And that's what I see exactly. Thank you for writing that. Indeed. Um, thank you guys. Priscilla and Broken Bernard have come into the studio of Fresh and Spaces and Light Touch you here. God bless you. So, so pleased to have you. Absolutely. In the in this book, there is a fellowship of of uh between Jesus Christ and the disciples that is very close and very beautiful. And I believe it begins right there. Absolutely. When the uh, when his mother says, hello, Tony, so glad you're here. When his mother says, they have no more wine. See, she knows him. Like I know my children or like I know um, my sisters, but I know what they can do. And I'll say, ask, ask, you know, uh, ask Anna or ask Rachel or ask Tam because I know what they can do. When, when a matter comes up that involves something that they can do, I know that, right? And I'll go to them. Now, my children are not quite as wonderful as Jesus. They may not ever do what I ask them to do, but I know they can do it. You know, because in, in the lives, our lives here on the world, the lives of your children, right? The response is based on what? Why are you telling me to do that? Or, you know, that little, um, I, I don't have time to do that. Whatever comes up in the way. But Jesus being who he, who he is and who he was right then and there, he had the power. And by the way, it didn't take any time. It just took him doing it. I love it. I'm telling you, this is, you're talking superheroes. There is nothing that a man can write about a superhero that would make me feel that uh, any, any um, you know, the same awe that I feel of Jesus Christ as I read about him in the, in the word. He was just awesome. He was amazing. And I, I love it. My daughter said to me, we use the word awesome so much, but there is only one who is truly awesome, and that is the almighty, wonderful God. And we see him in Jesus, through Jesus Christ. And we feel and know his love. We know his power to perform greatly. And therefore, he is the awesome one. It is he and he alone who is awesome, right? Uh, some other things are, are are inspiring, but they are not nearly as awesome as our God. Yes, it has been a many okie dokie. So in this chapter now, what has he done? He's performed the miracle there at Cana. And now he has announced who he is, not just to the wedding party. He was invited to that wedding party probably friends of the family because Mary was also there and the disciples were with him. And he did a miracle there. He did it, though, not to announce who he was or who he is, but rather to fulfill the need of friends, 
fellowship. I love it. I just think it's very beautiful. And yes, um, that is who our father is to us. When we have a need and we go to him, right, in full faith, you can just believe that he is going to respond. The Lord is going to do what he can, which doesn't take take us into um what's the word um uh, treating him like a you know a little uh what do you call it magician no but god cares and loves us enough to listen to assess and to do something about our needs i shall supply the lord will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory that was a need at the at the wedding and Jesus Christ provided for the need. And there it is. <clears throat> now, also, we see the disciples with him, right? They're witnessing this, and they are understanding uh, that he is truly the fulfillment of the scriptures. The word says they believed the scriptures. They believed, and they trusted him. And that's what we are bound to do. As God unveils and, and reveals to us the beauty of who Jesus Christ is, when he establishes that for you and for me, what do we do? We believe and we trust him. We believe the scriptures. We trust Jesus Christ to be and to do. So how about you? Are you waiting for the return of Christ? Because the scriptures tell us he's coming back. Are you trusting him? I'm also asking myself to finish the good work that he's begun in, in me and in you, right? Are we trusting him in, in completing that work for so that we are definitely the inheritors of eternal life? But more than that, are we willing to love one another as he has loved us and has told us to do, right? so that we all are in a fellowship and the world sees that fellowship and knows we are loved by the grace of God. I tell you, this is really quite exciting. So we've, been, we've seen Jesus Christ come as God. We see God come as Jesus Christ, first chapter. We see him call the disciples. And now we see Jesus Christ just performing a miracle for, for, the, for his friends, a need. And now we see him as Telling, telling the world, announcing what he is all about and knowing that the house of God shall not be a marketplace. You just don't treat it any any way. It's a place of worship. And guys, it's that quick tonight. Chapter two is just that. And we don't have any more to say about it. So I'm going to go back and read um, 
some of the comments, if there were. Yeah, Freshen says she wonders if the miracle was an illustration of his expression of care for us in our walks of life through his time, though his time was at the temple. Right. Absolutely. And I see fellowship on the line. Everyone is is touching and saying hello. Um, and that's very, very good. And that's it. That's chapter two of the book of John. And I've decided that we shall just go chapter by chapter, Wednesday by Wednesday. I was trying to get it so we would, you know, work around Easter. We don't have to do that because for the believer, right, the crucifixion is the, the crux of our faith and the resurrection. So whenever we talk about it, it's relevant. We don't wait for this one holiday in the year to be aware of what God has done. It's right now, every day, all the time, right? That is it for tonight. Anyone have questions? You want to say anything? <laughs> I know it's very quick tonight. It's only 8.38, but we've done it. And so you don't have to be here. And it would be, wouldn't it be wonderful if every chapter were that, you know, uh, expedient, we could get through them like that. But some are so packed full that you just can't get through them that quickly. But by the grace of God, here we are. And any comments on the Den of Thieves? Well, the Den of Thieves, where all those people sitting in the, you know, in the temple, making a a marketplace you you want to um uh, go further and and so yeah you know i was going to kind of say that sometimes in in our modern experience in church there's a sense that uh you can kind of do anything in church and i think church is definitely very different than the temple the temple was the place of jewish worship and, and it was the lifestyle, you know, and all the Jews were connected to that. So, um, okay, I thought it would, we would be coming here at 1 a.m. my time. I came in late. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, no, uh, it's 12 your time, Tony. I'm pretty sure we're 8 o'clock here, right? So anyway, that how we treat the worship place or the time of worship, is very important. And if you have any more comments on that, I would love to hear it. Absolutely. But that's just the way I take it. And I don't want to go too far because I, I really, I, in my own understanding of the scriptures, differentiate between a church building and the temple. There was but one temple. Jewish life revolved around and wherever they were, they came to this temple uh uh, at times during the year, right? But we have all these churches. However, I do believe that if a place has been consecrated for the worship of God, that it should be respected in, in such a way, right? And so um, many things happen in churches. You know, they, they sell fish dinners and all kinds of stuff, um, but they tend to build a, a, a part away from the sanctuary for that. I don't know if that's a right or wrong thing, uh, we shall pray more on it, but uh, you may definitely uh, give more comment. Treatment of worship, a concern. Okay, yes. Temple different. 
Okay, yeah, I, I do see them as different spaces. Any more points out there? You know, I'm, I'm waiting for you to share with me because I'm looking at it through the faith and fellowship. And the, we can see that John, who wrote this uh, gospel, really saw him as the fulfillment of the prophecy, as the Lamb of God. It's very tender. It's almost, you know, the word pastoral. I don't know how, what that indicates to you, but it's almost like you are, are, are singing songs of worship as you read through uh, the Gospel of John. It isn't so much about uh, a historical record. It is more, as I read, about a relationship and, and the life of God uh, being so near to us and us being so near to him. Yes, it's always good. Blessings of our Lord, Yeshua, surround us all with his mercy, favor, and grace. That's a beautiful thing. Thank you, Light Touch. And with that, guys, I am so glad you came, really and truly. And I do pray, Father, as we read in the name of Jesus Christ, as we're going through your gospel, please make us aware of those two words, faith and fellowship. Please allow us to see and to hear, to discern your presence and all that you have given us when you sent Jesus Christ to bear our sins and to redeem us from the curse of the law and from death. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. And with that, my darlings, that's it. I love it. God bless you for coming. And you know, it wasn't just like, you know, um, what is it? The, the balloons are coming and they're beautiful and I love it. Uh, tonight's reading is short and sweet and to the point, right? And we, we pull out of it just what, what we are looking at. And so we are grateful and have dined together sufficiently. I pray you all do uh, have a really great night and you rest well. I pray, Tony, the Lord recompense you in sleep according as you have, you know, spent time in fellowship with us. And by his grace and power, we shall see you again next Wednesday. Go out with rejoicing, giving thanks to the Lord our God for his goodness. Amen. 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 